All right, welcome. So we will just share the sword of the spirit. And what, what is that actually? And I think you'll be a little surprised from how most people were brought up about the sword of the spirit. I know <clears throat> early on in my uh, Christian upbringing, we didn't even know what it was. We didn't say it was anything. And then the charismatic word of faith things, oh, it's the, it's praying in tongues and, or it's yelling Bible verses at things or something like that, which uh, I've seen a lot of people pray in tongues and yell in Bible verses as like a sword. And they're like, they're swinging it around thinking they're going to kill the boogeyman and demons and things like that. Not realizing there's one spirit. There's one, there's not a lesser spirit against a greater spirit. There's one spirit. And it's really all we do with that spirit, that God within us that creates any evil or, or anything like that. So anyway, um, I'll just show you as we, as we go through this, uh, the sword of the spirit, your true identity as a divine connector of heaven and earth is pretty interesting. And, and uh, in Genesis 324, um, we're told to, we're told the way back into the, into Eden, which is pleasures, delight, the garden, the inner chamber is preserved by the cherubim and a fiery sword. Well, fire is, fire is often the picture of the spirit. It's, it's the, the sword which turns within itself, we'll see. And uh, I just wrote Francois de Troyes in the Mirror Bible <clears throat> in his commentary on Revelations 2.16. He says, the sword always points back to mankind's original identity. And Hebrew word in Genesis 3.24, hafak, is a primitive root, meaning to turn about, to turn back. Um, we could say repent. We could say which is a radical change in mind, turn back to your original design, turn back to the original identity. As in Luke 15, the prodigal son returns to himself. And then he, uh, Ackerman in his book, Christian of Plato, says Plato looked at uh, that as the prodigal son, as the prodigal son returns to himself, as thinking of redemption as coming to oneself, which is exactly what it is. So the sword is returning back to your original identity. Now I want to show you something here. Um, let's see. Uh, I want to show you Genesis three twenty four, and this is the garden narrative where how we were taught God's God's angry at Adam and Eve, or you know some people go, oh he he threw them out of the garden um, <clears throat> for our benefit, um, whatever interpretation they have. But I'm gonna I'm just gonna go word for word here, and I I wrote it out. You might not be able to see this, but so he drove out, <clears throat> if we click on that, oops, I didn't want to go through the whole thing, sorry. So he drove out, <clears throat> one of the definitions is to thrust out, um, to push out like a woman giving birth. Now that's interesting to me. So he pushed out a left off <clears throat> and a left off, as I've been showing you, is Adonai, or oneness, God himself is attached to two wooden sticks, which are you and I. Wood is always symbolic of man. So as he birthed God attached to man. And what's really interesting is I was showing you a left is two yods, which is the power of God above and below a vav, which were the divine connector. <clears throat> and it's, it's a picture of a man or a nail or a connector that connects the abundance of heaven to the earth below. So we were birthed with the, the power of God above and below within us as a left off, the man. So <clears throat> now these are untranslated, left off are untranslated. That's why I think it's, it's, it's somewhat 
comical when, when people go, the Bible is the word of God, and then they don't translate a lot of these things. Um, in fact, Genesis 1, they don't translate it. So man, mankind, <clears throat> and then um, this is interesting. So he placed, we see it as he placed these cherubim and the, the sword to keep man out. But let's, let's look at this. This literally means to dwell or tabernacle. So he birthed man, got, got attached to man, the man, and he tabernacled or dwelled to the east. I wonder what to the east is. If you look on that again, it's east. It can be antiquity. It can be front, which is before or for time. So before, before time or from the beginning. So check that out. He tabernacled, tabernacled in man from the beginning aforetime. The garden, where did, where, was, where did this happen? And we see this garden. <clears throat> it's a garden and it's enclosure. And uh, figuratively of a bride, which is interesting. So who's the bride? We are. So he says, you know what? I tabernacled before time in the beginning in my bride. Of Eden, which is delights, uh, the, the, this in Strong's, it says the original <clears throat> dwelling place of God and man. Then you get another a left off there again, and then cherubim, which are the two halves of the cerebrum. We, we see these angelic creatures there. And then vayet, which is a left off with a vav. So that's interesting. So he says, I'm attached. <clears throat> the cherubim is attached to the sword of the flame. So the flame is that fiery sword. And that fire, we, we know that that's the Holy Spirit. So the sword of the spirit, we should start to understand what this is starting to talk about now. And then that haharab. We'll go into that in detail, what it actually is in Hebrew. It's beautiful. <clears throat> and so it's a sword. And then this whirling turns back to itself. It's like the prodigal son. The sword turns back to itself to guard, keep, preserve man's attachment to God. And then this is kind of, oh, the, one, of, one of the interesting things on that, the guard too, if you look at it, you probably can't see this on your screen, but if you go look it up on Bible Hub yourself, <clears throat> one of the, one of the definitions is to bring back memory, bring back memory of who we've always been, that, that God, Adam and I was attached to two sticks from the beginning. And that is the journey back to the original tree of life protected, Semek. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? So we have this idea that God's angry. He, he chases Adam and Eve out of the garden. But why would he do that? Why would he do that? When you look at it in Hebrew, it's actually very interesting. He birthed mankind out of himself. From the beginning of four time, he tabernacled in us. <clears throat> and he's given us these cerebrum and the spirit within the inner chamber to guard and protect our way back to the tree of who we really are, the tree of life. I think that's pretty cool, personally. Um, <clears throat> very different than what you're going to hear in an angry church. But uh, that's how it can be interpreted. So anyway, I was laying in bed. Some of you guys heard this. And. I was laying in bed half asleep. But that's when half the stuff happens to me. And Barb and I will will be will wake up or when oh I got to remember this because it was I, I sort of got it and it was coming in and out of my sleep. But I was laying in bed going the sword looks like a man, and that's what got me on this journey of this divine connector. I was like the sword looks like a man. Where you see that the the, uh, uh, the smaller handle is our two arms. It's the shorter length of us, and you see our torso and legs is the longer blade with a, a lot of the swords 
in this time frame when scripture is written, have this beautiful design on top. I'm like, oh, that's our head. That's the crown. And so I was like, that's really cool. I think that's what that means is our original identity. <clears throat> and so then I got this nudge to go look at the Hebrew word Zion or the Hebrew letter Zion. And I'll show you, this is kind of cool. So I get, you know what? Man looks like a sword. A sword's a picture of man. And so I looked, I picked up Zion and you guessed it. The shape of the Hebrew letter is a sword. So if you go look at, uh, you can see the picture here. <clears throat> this is their, it's a vav with a crown on it. <clears throat> now here's what's really interesting. It's the seventh Hebrew letter. So seven is the number of completion. It's also the number of rest to the Hebrews. So it's representing rest and ceasing from our own efforts. So vav, man, is the sixth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's mankind. Entering the rest is realizing your true identity. And then the eighth is living out of that identity within the inner chamber of Chet, which I'll show you here in a minute. And so you see all of that symbolism in the Noah's Ark as well, where it says, grace, make for yourself an ark. Make for yourself an ark. And it's made of wood. Well, wood was always symbolic of mankind. And it's patched in and out. And it's, it's really interesting. So all the stories, guys, are really about us. They're really about humanity. So now let's look at this. So <clears throat> it literally is a vav with a crown on top. So it's a kingly connector of heaven and earth. And it's always been our identity. Even Genesis 3, when we look at Adam supposedly being kicked out because God was mad, it's really, this was your original birth from the beginning. And so we see all that language of a royal vav or a divine connector of heaven and earth as royal sons and daughters, a royal priesthood. You, you see all that language in scripture. He's made us uh, a nation of kings and priests. So kings were royal, you know, had the ability to uh, determine what was going to happen. They could they could uh, write rules. Uh, you know, a king, what's that verse? Like a king declares a thing. And it, how, how does it go? Like, I don't remember. You know what I'm talking about, though. A king declareth a thing. And, um, I would let you guys interact here, but a lot of people I'd have to keep in a live service like this. I have to not allow you guys to unmute yourself because we'll get all kinds of strange stuff. So, <clears throat> so the Hebrew letter is a picture of a sword, and it's a, a vav, a divine connector of heaven and earth with a crown on top. That's you and I. We are that sword. The Hebrew word for sword in Genesis, Genesis 3.24 is hashtarev. And this should start blowing you away, guys, honestly, that all of these letters, all of these words that I've been showing you in Hebrew all point to the exact same thing, that what you do within is the omnipotent power of God. <clears throat> you know, even back to the, the sword of the spirit is praying in tongues. And that's not what Jesus said. He said, you know what? Go in your inner inner chamber, go in your closet, the secret place. It's a place you can't see. Um, just like the, the high priest would go into the secret place of the temple, the most holiest of holies. Nobody could see what he did in there. And so their, their idea was he was face to face to God between the cherubim, which is interesting. Well, that's you and I. <clears throat> and so Jesus said, go into your inner chamber and what you do in secret is going to be seen by all. So it's not something we do externally where he says, don't go blabbing all over the place to be seen. And I know people like, oh, you know, I go pray in, in tongues in the secret place. Uh, yeah. Okay. The kingdom does not come with anything observable. The kingdom is not observable. It's hidden. It's secret. So the Hebrew word for sword is hacharev. Now, this is interesting. So it's four letters. Hey, chet, resh, bet. So hey, I've shown you a bunch of times the number for grace, the fifth letter, but it literally is a picture, an open picture. 
and uh, or an open window, I'm sorry, meaning it's blank. It's a blank canvas. You can choose to view anything you want in there. And hey, the number of grace, here's why it's grace in my opinion. What you decide to picture, all creation responds to it and brings it into physical, what we choose to see within the inner chamber, what we choose to see within, meaning that all creation responds to you. You don't have to add anything to it. It's not your power. It's not, um, it's not religious exercises. It's not church meetings. It's not long drawn out prayer meetings. It's not getting into the word more. It's none of that, guys. Um, it's coming back to your original identity and praying within, realizing that grace, all creation literally responds to you. So we get to choose. I've set before you life and death. Choose. So that's that letter hey is a blank canvas, an open window, and it's the creative power of God to bring into the physical what we see within. Now, Chet, I'm going to spend a little bit of time here because this is really interesting. Chet, or Chet in Hebrew, um, is a fenced or inner chamber. Man, that sounds like the enclosed garden that we just saw in Genesis 3.24. So Chet is the fenced or inner chamber, <clears throat> which represents infinite possibilities that can come into being. The ancient picture was of a ladder, indicating the ability to go above and beyond. Now, I pulled off some things. I just want to read this to you and see if this sounds like quantum, see if this sounds like thoughts become things, what I do within literally manifests physically. Um, so, Chet, Chet, the eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. <clears throat> it is the letter of life. It represents infinite possibilities. Hmm, that sounds interesting. All things are possible to him who believes. This is the one that got me when I, it's the second sentence. It is undifferentiated substance and energy. Holy smokes. E equals MC squared. Containing any possibility that could come into being. That's amazing. That's amazing. So Chet indicates the ability of the human to rise and go above nature. <clears throat> it is the power to enter a higher level. The ancient, like I, I've read this part before, but the ancient form of the letter looks like a ladder, indicating the ability to go above and beyond physical limitations. So, are you catching this? So, the sword is understanding your true identity. And the, even the first two letters, and then the last two letters are Resh, man's head, and Bet is the tabernacle of God, or tent or tabernacle. And uh, <clears throat> that's not the church building if you go to a church, it's you. And that's what, that's what Paul and said, you not know you're the tabernacle, all those stories of the, the church in the wilderness, the, the, the tent in the wilderness, I'm sorry, the tabernacle, uh, all the pictures of the, the Ark of the Covenant. That's you, is what Paul's saying. Do you not know that you are the tabernacle, that all those stories in the Old Testament talked about, which is truly you? <clears throat> and so if we just look at this, so the sword literally is our true identity the crowned man the royal man the royal priesthood a human connector that connects the unlimited possibility of the abundance above and brings it into the physical below within the inner chamber and that chet that inner chamber is it is undifferentiated substance and energy containing any possibility that could come into being so the hay and the chet there within man is what the last two letters are. <clears throat> literally, is quantum physics. It's literally prayer. It's exactly what we've been talking about for 
weeks here, but because I, I really want you to get this, that you're not one. When we looked at that Genesis 3.24, you were pushed out as attached to God. You were birthed as attached to God, the left off. And you had the ability, the, the vav, the, the, the yod above and below the vav. That's what the left looks like. And yod is the power of God above, and you're the divine connector that brings that power below. That's Aleph, Toph is the two wooden sticks, the covenant. From the beginning, you were birthed like that, attached to Adonai. Aleph is also short for Adonai, to God. That was the original covenant. It's always been the covenant, and that's how you've always been. And how we keep our way in that enclosed chamber, that garden, where we can enjoy the pleasures of life, the best of life. I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness, he says. Um, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. All the scriptures starting to make sense. So <clears throat> the Hebrew letter, Zion, is a picture of a sword. It's a crown on top, the kingly connector of heaven and earth. It's always been our identity. We're royal sons and daughters, a royal priesthood. The Hebrew letter, or the Hebrew word, is Hatsharev. The, the, the ability for us to choose what we see within that inner chamber. And it's infinite possibility, infinite ability that represents, it can undifferentiate, undifferentiated substance and energy, meaning it can go in and out of phase. You, if there's something you don't want in your life that looks like it's real, that has substance to it, you can choose to change a different picture and it'll change that picture of your life, the undifferentiated substance to energy. It'll turn back into the what you're picturing. That's pretty wild when that's what Chet means, that inner chamber, that garden. And so we see all the parables with Jesus too. Is like, hey, here's what should we like in the kingdom too? It's a garden. You get to choose what you plant. And you can't add anything to the seed. The seed knows how to bring exactly what you put in there, which he, which he tells us the garden, the soil, the earth is our heart. It's within, the, that enclosed chamber within, that Chet within, all by itself. There's nothing to add to it. It's the omnipotence of God. And you are that tabernacle. That's pretty cool to me. So how do we how do we summarize all this? <clears throat> so Hebrews 4.1. Now this is kind of interesting. I, I was different thoughts were coming to me today. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Now I see a lot, <laughs> I see a lot of people going, <sighs> where they think rest is they're they're trying to calm themselves down. Well, what's the, what's the labor, therefore, to enter into the rest? Rest is the seventh letter, representing rest, ceasing from your own efforts. So what he's saying here is let us labor into ceasing from your own efforts. You are the divine connector of heaven and earth. What you simply do within, not what you're doing out here, not what you're doing with your own efforts, not what you're doing with anything, can change everything about your life. That's laboring to enter into his rest. Vav is the sixth letter. It's a picture of mankind at the divine connector. Rest, the seventh letter, is going back to your true identity, the kingly man. Yeah, you're a man, but the true rest, your true identity is knowing that you're divinity within flesh. You're the God man. You're the royal priesthood. You're the king man. From the beginning, you're one. You're not less than one. You're one. <clears throat> You know, we've been sharing that that whole time is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, a lot of us, because of the, the teaching of separation, there's somehow God's outside of you. Is we immediately, when we pray or we think who God is, 
we think Christ, God, even though we say, you know, hey, you got to accept Christ into your heart. And it's, it's kind of comical, too late. He's always been there from the foundation of the world. But uh, anyway, uh, that's fine. <clears throat> is That's not what it is. He's saying, you have been attached to me. You're the tabernacle from the beginning. And you're not something less than Christ. He didn't give you a lesser spirit, lesser anointing, which Christ literally just means anointed. He didn't give you a lesser anointing. He didn't give you a less than one. He didn't give you less glory, like a junior varsity glory. He gave you his glory. As we saw last week in John, where it says, Father, I know that I'm in you and you're in me. <clears throat> and, uh, and let them know that they're the same and they're in us. And I give you my glory and let them be one like we are one. So we would all go, yeah, yeah, Jesus and God are one. But I, most Christians I meet still don't make that connection that you're one. You're one with him. You know, the, and all I could give you a, a ton of scriptures where, where it says, you know, can have this mind, which was also in the anointed one, the, the Messiah, the anointing, the anointed mind which did not consider himself robbery. Robbery just means to take something that's not yours. So if, if it's still sounding like you have the mind of Christ, meaning your mind is God's mind. There's no other mind. You're the body. Jesus says, you're my body. All of you are my body. If that still seems like blasphemy, you're not getting it. Because what he's saying is have this mind, which is also in the mind of Christ. It's not robbery to make yourself equal with God. And he says, have that mind. And then interesting. So now let's go into Ephesians 6 as well, because this is where you know we get that people are, are screaming scriptures as the sword, like it's an offensive weapon, um, trying to make things go away or fight the demonic or strongholds or all the different things. <clears throat> um, now here's what's interesting too, because a lot of times they'll go, where, where you see here that it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And God there just means the original meaning or message of God. And uh, it's it's Legos. And then people argue about Rhema and Legos. Legos is, Legos, Logos is the whole thing. Legos. <laughs> so Logos is the whole thing. And Rhema is the individual to you. But it's the whole thing. It's really, they're almost interchangeable. It's really interesting. So they said the Bible is the word of God. And I would ask you this. This is just straight logic stuff. So after Christ, roughly 400 years, there wasn't a New Testament. There wasn't what we call the Bible. So if that was the sword of the Spirit, if the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, then Paul's telling them they're not going to be able to do this for the next 400 years. I don't think that's what Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus there. They knew what the fiery sword in Genesis 3 was. was it was returning back to original identity. That's what the sword is. The spirit within you, that fiery sword that turns within itself and remembers who you are, remembers where you were birthed from, remembers that you're one, not less than one. So take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and, and the, you know, the sword of the spirit, it's the Bible. So we would say, did, would you say Paul had the sword of the spirit? I think most of you would because they quote this verse. But then we're saying that some of the writers, the authors, and then ultimately all to the, the ecumenical councils, who, which decided which books go in the Bible, 
that they didn't have the sword of the spirit until they put to a book that is the sword of the spirit. That's, that's like goofy to me. Sorry. So we're saying that the ones who decided what was canon didn't have the sword of the spirit, but what they decided now is the sword of the spirit was the word of God. But they didn't have it until this Bible. No, it's the logos. It's the original meaning. That's why John one says in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And the word was face to face with God. And here's what it says. In the beginning, there was meaning. There was logic from the beginning. You were birthed in him. And the message was, <clears throat> and the Lord was God. And the message was, you're one with God. And the word was God, and you were in intimate relationship face-to-face with God. And then John 1, 14, and it says, and the, the, the logic of God, the logos of God, dwelt among men, is what it says. But that's the Greek preposition in, and. And so here's what it says. The word of God, the logic of God, God himself, the meaning of God, dwelt in man and became flesh. The whole thing, the the sword is realizing you're the God man. You're one with him. So the sword is realizing your true identity. And it's understanding that you can choose anything you desire. And all these prayer verses, again, start to make sense then. You know, when... uh, um, I'll do a message on ahitio pretty quick here, which is the word ask. Because in Greek, it's ask is really bad for us because we're like, can I have this God? But you can't, that logic doesn't go in any of the prayer verses because Jesus in, in John 16, 24, for instance, he says that the real, I'll just real quick, that, that word ask means a requirement's already been met. So now you're just, you're just receiving or taking what's already been done based on the requirement, meaning this. So let's say, Let's say we're talking to our kids um, and we're going, hey, guys, clean that up real quick. And then we'll go through the drive through. Then they go, dad, we cleaned up real quick. OK, now that was the requirement. And now they can uh, now we have to take them to the drive through unless we're a bad dad. So John 16. So what is this requirement that's being met? So John 16, 24, Jesus says this. I don't even need to do service on it. I just did it. So John 16, 24 says this. <clears throat> Up until now, you haven't asked anything in my name. What was the requirement? Nothing that you and I could ever do. Nothing you and I could ever qualify for. Nothing that we had to pray in tongues for, uh, struggle for, strive for. He says, up until now, you haven't asked anything in my name. But now, since you know you're a son, that's the requirement that's already been met. You're surnamed. You're birthed from God. And if you're birthed from God, he's given everybody the firstborn. He's given us his only begotten son. Now, that means something. We, we only picture that as Jesus again. But what he, he gave that to everybody. So what he's really saying is he's saying the firstborn had double inheritance, the mega inheritance, which was enough for everybody. So here's what he's saying. I gave every one of you my only begotten. You're all firstborn to me in my name. So now that the requirement's been met and you know my name, which is ask, since all that requirement's been met and you realize you're a son, ask and you shall receive so that your joy overflows. You shall receive. So it's literally, since you've already received because the requirement's been met as a son, now just receive everything that's available to you. That's John 16, 24. Why? So you can go back into Eden, the pleasures of life, the joys of life. Are you getting this? It's all, it's all the same message. I feel like I'm a broken record, but it's, it's all the message of us getting back to who we really are. So. So, all right, so the sword of the spirit is the spirit's 
giving us revelation of who we've always been, returning back to our original identity, which was a left top. Adonai is attached to the two wooden sticks. We have the power above of God to bring it to below, and we're the divine connector. So where it says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, return back to your original identity, which is the original message of God. And then verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in that spirit. So here's what he's saying. It's not shabba-dabba-dabba. And I'm not opposed to you if you do it. I just, I think you've missed it. <clears throat> what he's saying is praying in the spirit, the sword of the spirit, is realizing you're a son, your true identity is attached to God. You carry the omnipotence of God. You carry Christ within. You carry his omnipotent love within. That'll do anything for you. That's who you are. You're the beloved bride. All these stories and allegories that he's trying to get us to get it. So praying in the spirit, the sword of the spirit, is simply knowing who you are, realizing you carry divinity, and praying in that, in that uh, understanding. So our way back into Eden, the life or the pleasures of life, and I've shown you that even Eden lives the pleasures, the dainties, the, the da daintiness, the luxuries of life is I in Dilet Noon. It's the same thing again. I in is what I see within. Dilet is the doorway or pathway to life. What I see within, how do I get back into pleasures, dainties? I simply picture what I desire within. And it brings me back to what I just pictured within. So. I think I've kind of answered my, even my last couple of statements here, but so how does this work? I've, I've shown you all and all, and all or, over and over and over. It's not your effort. It's not, you can't add anything to the power of God. How much grace can we operate in when we realize that quantum physics is real? When, when all these neuroscientists and, and quantum scientists, you know, from the early 1900s to, to Einstein to today, really, really getting a grip on, we don't understand this whole Bible thing, but this stuff works. That thoughts do become things. And we are literally attached to everything in the world. Well, that's what's interesting is, is what happens when um, we simply picture it and the grace of God, all creation responds and brings it to pass without any of my own effort. That sounds like grace. That sounds like, uh, how does Joseph Prince always say, grace, effortless Joy, what, I don't remember. Unmerited, favor. unmerited favor, unmerited favor. Yes, that's unmerited favor. But then he still adds the angry God and you go to hell in case you didn't get an unmerited favor in time, which, <laughs> which is too bad. So anyway, so we can take our eyes off any problem, choose to see a different reality, no matter how impossible it seems. <clears throat> and what we picture as the crown of the divine connector of heaven and earth, we can take infinite possibilities undifferentiated substance and energy, which is the letter, the letter Chet, the eighth letter. And it'll change what you see right now into what you do want because you change a different picture. So it, it, it doesn't matter what the substance or the energy is. You just simply picture what you want and it changes it into that. That's the Hebrew letter Chet. That's amazing. And we don't have to add one thing to it. What we picture within is enough. Now go to sleep. That's the grace of God. Now, I'll share a couple of testimonies. This is kind of cool, and we'll be done. So some of you guys that are on the Wednesday nights and the six and the Sunday nights at 6 o'clock, Mountain 8 Eastern, um, it's at freedomministries.live, and the password's always freedom if you want to jump on. And so this was Janet. She just wanted to say this. So she said, God is opening my heart <clears throat> after hearing Freedom Ministries to his completely free and undemanding love that I've never experienced before in my Christian life. 
The message of love and life, like no other, has begun to streak through, break through my long Christian habit of trying to figure out how to please God outside of me, who gave everything for me and deserved my obedience. That little word how has kept me in bondage for years, because without realizing it, I was stuck there in the chasm of separation while I exhausted myself trying to figure out my role in this whole relationship to God thing. Even I can hear the separation in that. For the past six weeks or so, I've listened to pure love here. There's a major shift happening. Some nights I'm so energized by the thought of oneness with love himself that I can't stop smiling as I go to sleep. Other nights I easily forget. I revert back to now. Now, what did I hear? What did I hear? And how does this work again? As I'm writing, I'm thinking separation makes us all crazy, exclamation point. Bathing my mind with this love message of the best news ever is giving me real understanding of how faith peacefully and restfully comes by hearing and hearing the message of God within me. And that message of God, the logos of God, is your one with him. What Jesus knew and said is truly, truly real. All things that are mine are yours and you are mine. After hearing Mike's message on oneness against Saturday, I was so blessed. Because my double vision was corrected once again, there was peaceful rest restored in simply knowing. Later that night, a friend texted me, please pray for my son. I'm three hours away from him and on the road to get to him. He's autistic, vomiting and hot, then chills. All he, that's all he could tell me. He won't go to the hospital without me there. My reply to her was, doing so now with joy. I thought about what I wanted. I wanted to get a text or a phone call from my friend saying that she got there and her son was no longer sick, had no fever, and it was a mystery. That's what she wanted. So that's the divine choice she chose within. Now, the grace of God brings that what you just chose. Miraculously, we don't know how. That's the seed. He says, we know not how. It's just how it works. I gave up any idea that, that separate me was making something work or needed to do something right, meaning that her thoughts were not God's thoughts. Because if you have his mind, because we are his body and we're in complete union where we can't even be separated. Like my sweat is his sweat. Like when I, uh, um, if you go work out or something, your breath is his breath. I'm just trying to make it very real to you. So <clears throat> anyway, um, I gave up any idea that separate me was making something work or needed to do something right. That's huge right there, guys. Because people go, what am I doing wrong? Nothing. You're just, I promise you, you're just rolling the, the, what you don't want over and over and over. I gave up any idea or no stress, no demands. I simply accepted that God's love is so. It's so easy, so restful, so giving, so delighting, ready to give, to heal, to bless. He's a really good daddy. This all took about two minutes at most. I love that because it's not the all night prayer meeting. When my separation mind tried to diff toward figuring it out, this is where most of you guys just have to come back, realize that you're one with him, and that thought is a divine seed, and it is going to come to pass, guys. I was thankful for the reminder and thought, that part of part is none of my business. I was leaving it as done and dusted with God, and I went to sleep with a huge smile on my face. This morning, I got a text from her, got there at about 11 p.m., had no fever then, has no fever this morning, not sure why he was vomiting. Thank you, Father, for Janet who prays. I replied, such good news. I got to rest in him who sees knowing the coming joy that is now ours, hearing just this from you, wholeness for you, and, a, and I'm smiling at the ease which Father delights in snapping his super suspenders for us. I love that because he do. We are both country girls. <laughs> That's cool. I'll share one more with you. And I'm not going to use real names because um, they don't want their, their name out because it's <clears throat> like a prominent thing. So we have, uh, we have friends that were investing in a, in a business, large investment. And so they invested in the business, large investment, right at the time COVID hits. The governor shuts down their business. 
completely, still haven't opened. And so communicating back and forth, just go, I, you know, and he would just say, I see myself in that business, Mike. And I was like, then that's enough. That's, that's it undifferentiates between substance and energy. It'll just create that new substance for you. That's the grace of God. That's the power within the inner chamber. <clears throat> and uh, we waver guys. I get it. So in July, they were kind of like, man, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to carry this out. And, but just did the same thing, went back to seeing what he desired, knowing that that is the unlimited power of God. And then this was interesting. He said, all of a sudden, I, I got this impression from my, from God, obviously, the inner chamber. <clears throat> Your kids are going to get the money for you. And he's like, my kids? What, how are they going to get the money for me? They're going to find more investors for this business? Well, it just so happened right when they were doing that, one of his kids was on the computer realizing their type of business because of the whole COVID situation was available for grants. Literally right when the government put it out, they were the fourth in line. So when this thing came out, because this kid just happened to be messing around on the internet, looking for government grants, whatever, for their situation because their business was closed. And he just texted me the other day, October 7, he goes, check this out. $177,000 was just deposited in my account as a grant. I don't have to pay it back. That's cool, guys. We know not how. Amen, amen, amen. So just know what you see within. The grace of God is all creation makes it happen. God bless you guys. Hopefully that helps.